Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. So I'm going to be finishing up this series and then I'll start on something else as the Lord gives us grace and if Jesus does not come back because he can come back anytime. And I hope you are ready when he comes back. Ask your neighbor for me if Jesus comes back now, will you make it to heaven? What is their answer? They said yes. I hope you will make it. I hope I will see you in heaven. Amen. I hope you'll be my neighbor. Because my, my mansion is in heaven. I hope yours will be next to mine. So that when we wake up in the morning, we can have breakfast together, isn't it? You know there will be food in heaven. Yeah, there will be even a marriage supper of the lamb. We don't know how the food is going to be, but we shall enjoy the food. So that is good news. It should be motivation for people who love food that let's go to heaven. I don't know about hell. Hell, there is no food. Even water is not there. You remember the rich man begging for a glass of, a drop of water rather. A drop of water. There is no water in, in, in hell. At least in heaven, there is a river whose streams makes glad the city of our God. So let's go to heaven. Tell you, neighbor, make sure you make it to heaven. So we've been looking at hindrances to evangelism. Hindrance number one is disobedience. Somebody say disobedience. Hindrance number two is lack of passion for souls. Somebody say lack of passion for souls. How about number three? What is hindrance number three? The fear of men or the fear of people. So I want to give you number four. Number four is the fear of rejection. The reason why people don't do evangelism because they are afraid of rejection. What if somebody says no? What if I'm rejected? What if somebody doesn't want to listen to me? What if somebody refuses to take the flyer that I give them? And so that fear of being rejected, you know, becomes a stumbling block in their lives and they feel like I cannot do uh, evangelism. But I want you to know that rejection is part of life. You will be rejected once in a while. Rejection is part of life. If you don't believe me, talk to a few people who have experience in life. They will tell you at one point in their lives, they were rejected. Politicians are rejected. Businessmen are rejected. Sometimes even men of God are rejected. Sometimes when you go for a... You have the papers, you have the qualifications, you went with your new suit, and you hired the briefcase that you have, isn't it? But you are still rejected. We are rejected once in a while. Rejection is part of life. Oh, you approached a lady. How many of you have been rejected by a girl? Lift your hand. Hey. All right. How many have been rejected by a man? I, I expect a huge number. You've been rejected by a man. A man rejected you. Ask your neighbor, why are you a hypocrite and you're in church? Hey, these people are not honest. Are these people going to heaven? Hey. How many men here a lady has ever rejected you? Broke your heart. You, you, oh man, you felt so bad. Please don't lift your hand like this. You are rejected at some point, isn't it? Wow. How many ladies here, a man has ever rejected you? 
Aman. Now, if you do this, what is this? Are you in the gym? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, rejection is part of life. One day, when I was growing up in ministry, before I met Pastor Mary, I remember there was this lady, we were singing together a lot. You see now, you want my story. When I ask you, you don't want... You, you don't want me to know your story, but you want to know my story. Eh? Because all my stories are true. <laughs> anyway, this lady, we were singing together, doing ministry together. There was kind of a chemistry. You know, there's a person you can work with and you feel, hmm, this one, it's like, yeah, there's something. So I started feeling something, you know, in my heart. But I had not told her anything, you know, because I, was, I felt I'd been in ministry and I saw she's very good in ministry. She can sing, she can lead worship, she loved ministry. We used to go for conferences together. There's a time I went to another conference in another city only to realize that that is where the mother lives. And so the mother decided to invite me in the house. <laughs> I'll not finish my story because you people. Uh, I think also the mother was feeling like this is a very good future son-in-law. You know, so, so we continued and the friendship continued. It grew. She came, visited our home. My mom also met her. How many here, somebody has broken your heart? <laughs> now the hands are increasing because you want me to finish my story. You are bribing me. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what happened. At some point, she wrote me a letter. She wrote me a letter. With, it was a full scalp. I'm telling you, I started reading. The letter began very well. Praise the Lord. With all the spiritual jargons, the Lord has been good. With all the scriptures, then I continued reading. Then it got to a place. Eh, things began to be thick in the letter. Started saying, I can see we have been together for a while, but I just want to let you know that don't have any idea that you and I can take this association to the next level. <laughs> See me as a sister in the Lord. <laughs> Let me tell you, by the time I was finishing that letter, I was a very sad man. Because I thought maybe this is how things begin, then you take them to the next level. But before I took it to the next level, my heart was broken. And we're in the same team. So we continued ministry. <laughs> hey. 
you know, it was not easy. Anyway, you know, God is amazing because what a man soweth, that shall he reap. So one day, many years later, she didn't know that I had moved on, met somebody else. She came to see me to apologize concerning the letter she wrote. But I told her, it is too late. I already belong to someone else. And she asked, are you sure there is no? <laughs> Any other blessing left for me? <laughs> I should have told her to write another letter. To apply. <laughs> but what I'm trying to show you, I felt rejected. Yeah, and when you feel rejection, you feel ugly. You feel low. You feel discouraged. You know, you feel like you don't even have a self-esteem. That's how you feel. So I'm trying to show you that rejection is part of life. I've gone to interviews where I was rejected with no good reason. Just, you know, rejected. I was trying to go to another country and they told me you, you cannot access the country. And, and I was going to that country from another country, not even from here. I was from another country trying to go to that country before I come here. And I was rejected. So I'm trying to show you that rejection is part of life. Yeah. yeah. And many of you have been rejected. Some of you have been rejected twice. Some of you five times. Some of you ten times. Some of you even yesterday, somebody rejected you. And you're here. And some of you after this service, you receive an SMS. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell them it's part of life. To be rejected is part of life. And you have to keep moving on. So rejection should, the fear of rejection should not make you stop, you know, doing evangelism. It should never stop you. If somebody rejects you, you move to the next person. If this person rejects you, you move to the other person. But you should not say that I'm afraid of being rejected. And that is the reason why I cannot do evangelism. We must do evangelism. Even Jesus was rejected in his own hometown. And that's why the Bible says he could not do a lot of miracles. If Jesus was rejected, who are you? Not to be rejected. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you'll also be rejected. But that should not stop you from doing evangelism. Amen. Rejection does not mean that your efforts for evangelism are futile. Every time you reach out to someone, even if they reject you, I want you to know that you have planted a seed of salvation in their hearts. And without knowing, in a mysterious way, you have weakened the resistance of that person. So that the next person that is going to talk to them will find it easier to preach to them the message of the cross. They have rejected you, yes, but you have weakened their resistance by dropping the seed of salvation in their hearts. That's why you realize that some of us here, you didn't get saved when the first person came to talk to you about Christ. Some of you, God had to send five evangelists. Some of you are so deep in sin, God had to send eight evangelists. 
Some of you, you are next to the devil. God had to tell, send 20 evangelists. You, you, you switch on the TV, somebody is preaching. Preaching to you, and then he says, you, 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 you. Then you look behind, you're thinking he's talking to somebody in the house. But you, 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 I'm talking to you, 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 you. You go to Huru Park to relax, you find a preacher there. You board a bus, Matatu, to go home. The person you're seated next to you think is a passenger. Then he stands up and say, Munipatia maskio enyu. And I've already paid my fare. So you find that God is sending people, 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 many, many people to speak to you about Christ until finally you gave your life to Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you, even if you are rejected, I want you to know that you have sown a seed. And the next person that is going to reach this person who has rejected you, he will experience least resistance from him because of the seed that you planted. Amen. That's why we must keep on going to talk to people about Jesus Christ. John chapter 4 and verse 35. I want to show you something here that is very powerful. John Chapter 4, verse 35. Give me the scripture quickly, John. The Bible says, therefore, when the Lord knew... John chapter 4, verse 35. Why do you give us wrong scriptures? Do you not say, do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Tell your neighbor, the harvest is ready. Then verse 36, when the Bible says the harvest is ready, it means we need to go and harvest souls, isn't it? Then it says, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You might sow, but somebody else will come and reap. Are we together, somebody? In other words, you came and spoke to somebody, but they rejected you. All right, But because you have weakened their resistance, the following day when that person meets another person preaching to them about Christ, it becomes easy for them to give their lives to Jesus. So when this guy gets saved, the blessing will not just fall on the person that led them to Christ, but also on the person that preached to them when they rejected this particular person. So you who sowed the seed, and the person who has reaped the harvest, you will still receive the blessing from the Lord. Because you participated on the process of this guy getting saved or this woman getting saved. So all is not lost. Even if you're rejected, I want you to know you have sowed a seed. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. How about verse 37? For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Verse 38. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored. The ones who are rejected. And you have entered into their labors. So you can see that evangelism gives you a stake in everything. Even if somebody does not get saved, 
Let me tell you, you have sown a seed. You have labored. The day they will get saved, it doesn't matter from where. Whatever blessing will fall on the person who led this person to Christ, the same, same blessing will fall on you as well. Can I get an amen? amen. So tell your neighbor, don't be afraid to be rejected. Tell them one more time, don't be afraid of rejection. This should cause you to go out and preach to as many people as possible. Even if they say no, you just know one day when they get saved, you will also receive the same blessing. Number five, another hindrance to evangelism is when we are too busy. We are too busy. And we even say we are busy. I'm so busy, I cannot come. I'm so busy, I cannot participate in evangelism. I am so busy, I can't talk to my neighbor. It's a hindrance. We all have activities that fill our time. There is work, there is family, there is responsibilities at work, in your business. And then there are parties that you need to attend. Events, hobbies, places that you need to be, meetings that you need to attend, reports that you need to submit. There are so many things that are eating into your time. And you can be too busy to a place where you don't have time. Or let me rephrase. To a place where you don't create time for evangelism. When you are swamped up with these engagements, if you're not careful, you will come to a place where you can't create time to evangelize, yet you are a Christian. Jesus did not give us the great commission because we are idle. He gave us the great commission because we are Christians. Whether busy or not, since you're a Christian, that great commission applies to you. Even if you are running the universe, so to speak, the moment you become a Christian, let me tell you, you're supposed to fulfill the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations this is the thing if we have time for parties then we should have time for evangelism you're very quiet if we have time to go to the stadiums to watch soccer we should have time for evangelism if we have time for road trips to naivasha and stay there the entire weekend hire a subaru to go with it to Naivasha, then we should have time for evangelism. Can I get an amen in the house? If we have time for things like lunches, parties, housewarming, chamas, all those things that we do, we should also have time for evangelism. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectively, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the lord is we must redeem the time that god has given unto us redeeming the time means we are not to waste our time with worthless pursuits we must make every minute every second every hour in our lives count by ensuring that we produce fruit. And which fruit is this? Is the fruit of souls. You are saved to be fruitful. You are born again to be fruitful. So you must use your time wisely to ensure that you are bringing souls into the kingdom of God. If we are to judge you by the fruit of souls, how fruitful are you? 
If you are to calculate how many hours you have lived on earth, not years, hours, you have lived on earth, and we compare with how many souls you have brought into the kingdom of God, how fruitful will you be? The Bible says redeeming the time. Why? Because the days that we are living in are evil days. We have to save as many people as possible. We have to use every second, every minute, every hour, you know, to bring as many souls as possible into the kingdom of God. Every day, you should ask yourself, how many people have I preached to? Every week, you should ask yourself, how many people have I preached to? Every month, you should ask yourself, how many people have I preached to? If you can only reduce your gossip and use the time to gossip for evangelism, we will see the church grow very fast. If you can only use your mouth for preaching the gospel instead of backbiting people, we will see the kingdom of God expand very fast. Ask your neighbor for me, how do you use your mouth? If we can redeem time, we need to redeem time. Because time is not on our side. Ladies and gentlemen, time is not on our side. The fastest growing religion in the world is not Christianity. It's another religion. We must redeem the time. We must save the world. We must point the world to Jesus Christ. You know, many people say, oh, it doesn't concern me. You see me, I've done my part. I've gotten saved. I've done whatever. You have forgotten that your children are coming to live in this world. Your grandchildren are coming to live in this world. And some of you, you need to be very careful because maybe the day it will dawn on you that this thing is serious is when your child, your daughter or your son will bring a girlfriend or a boyfriend who is from another religion. Your daughter will come and say, Dad, meet my boyfriend. What is his name? Muhammad. That's when you'll go to the room to pray, isn't it? Huh? Dad and mom, meet my girlfriend. What is her name? Hmm? What is her name? <laughs> Halima. <laughs> That's when it will wake you up and you realize, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here? So don't just think about yourself. Think about redeeming time. That we have to save souls every now and then, save souls every now and then, save souls every now and then, save souls all every now and then. So that we have many Christians around. And when we have many Christians around, the chances of our children marrying Christians are very high. The chances of our children being employed by Christians are very high. Working for Christian organizations, very high. Being given time on Sunday to go to church, very high. There are Christians who can come to church because of where they are working. The guy does not care about the church. 
redeeming the time because the days are evil tell your neighbor we must redeem time if you're not careful your landlord will be a ban from another religion yes are we together yeah if you're not careful if you're not careful it will reach a place if you go to eat in a restaurant you will eat food that has been offered to other gods hey now you're quiet you're realizing it is serious yeah actually some of you you don't give your offerings in the church because you're stingy but you're funding other religions because you go and buy their products you go and eat in their restaurants you subscribe to the products they are selling but you don't even tithe in the church and you call yourself a christian but after the service you'll go to those restaurants and you will give them an offering of 5000 shillings and in church you left an offering of 100 shillings you think you are eating food you are not actually eating food you are giving an offering for them to build their temple in this nation so you are contributing to the growth of that religion more than you are contributing to the growth of christianity yet you're a christian tell your neighbor it has not yet hit you if that has not yet hit you i don't know what can hit you are we together yeah it will get to a place where if you are not careful when you are going to send money you are funding another religion when you are importing goods to this country you are funding another religion then when you are in church you say i will not give they are asking for money too much but when you go out of, out of the church you are funding another religion redeeming the time redeeming the time because the days that we are living in are evil are we together somebody Look at your neighbor and tell them this message is slapping different this morning. <laughs> Redeeming the time. Because the days that we are living in are evil days. Amen. Number six. Another hindrance. Another hindrance is the God of this world. Another hindrance to evangelism is the God of this world. Someone say the God of this world. Shout it louder. The God of this world. We have an invisible being at work on the earth. And many people are oblivious of his power and influence. He is on a mission to ensure that the work of the cross doesn't yield much fruit. The first thing that he does is to hinder Christians from doing the work of the Lord. And then he hinders unbelievers from getting saved. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1 to 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 to 2. The Bible says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. This is Paul speaking. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold 
bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. They were preaching, but it was not easy. There was conflict. They were being mocked. They were being subjected to suffering, but they were preaching. He said, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. There was an invisible force against Paul, against his preaching in the city of Thessalonica. So there is an invisible force, an invisible enemy that tries to hinder believers from preaching the word of God. Bring conflict, will bring issues, will distract you, will cause you to be distracted from the gospel, from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heap you with a lot of problems and issues so that you lose your voice, you lose your message. Paul says in the midst of conflict, much conflict we preached, we penetrated through, through. we preached, we, we fought through every obstacle to be able to preach the gospel to you. Why? Because there's an invisible power. There's an invisible power. That's why you see the first thing the enemy will do is to try and just keep you busy, you know, make you blunder, fall into sin so that you lose your voice. You see, when you fall into sin, first of all, you have to recover. You're very quiet today. When you take a wrong turn and fall into sin, the first thing you have to do is to do what? Is to recover. Because sometimes when you fall into sin, you cannot go and preach to the person that you are falling into sin with. Huh? How do you evangelize to somebody you spend a night with? How do you wake up in the morning and say, by the way, I came to tell you. <laughs> So those are some of the things the devil will try and entangle you with. Conflict, issues, problems, challenges, until you lose your voice. You lose your message. Paul says, look, we, had, we went through a lot of problems. We suffered. There was an invisible force against us, but we broke through anyway to preach to you, to speak to you the gospel of our God. So there is an invisible force. Amen. An invisible power. Look at verse 17. Paul is still speaking. Verse 17. What does he say? Verse 17. But we brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. In presence, but not in heart. We are not with you physically, but our hearts are connected to you. We are not with you. We can't see you face to face, but our hearts are connected to you. The highest form of unity is when hearts are connected. Because you can be with somebody physically, but your hearts are divided. You can even join hands, prayer of agreement, but you're not in agreement in the heart. Paul says, we are separated from you for a short time in presence, but not in heart. Endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Verse 18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. I wanted to visit you. I wanted to come and see how you're growing in the faith. I wanted to come and see how you're doing in salvation. But there is somebody. Who is this? Satan did what? He hindered us. Satan didn't want us to come. We tried many times to come to you. But Satan hindered us. Look, if Satan can hinder Paul 
You guys don't know who Paul is. A guy who went somewhere in the spirit and saw some things that he has refused even to write. In the Bible that we may read, he said, I cannot, the things I saw, I cannot tell you. A man was struck with blindness, led a prophet called Ananias. While he's there, he saw a vision. A man who talked to Jesus face to face. A man who wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He says, but Satan hinder us. You, what have you done? Man who fasted. Struck blind by God, by Jesus. Fasted. 14 days he went to the wilderness to have communion with God. I think it's 14 years or 14 years. He said. Here he says, Satan. He hindered us. Ladies and gentlemen, don't joke with the God of this world. He is more serious than many Christians I know. He is so serious to make sure that the gospel does not, does not spread. He is so serious. He is committed to ensure that we don't preach the gospel to our estates, to our friends, to our colleagues. He will use everything within his power to hinder you. That's why the same Paul says you have to be strong in the Lord. And you have to be strong, you have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. He could see the desire of Satan over Peter. And many of us are living as if Satan does not exist. Look, Satan exists and he's after you. He doesn't want you to preach. He doesn't want you to reach out to your neighbors and tell them about Jesus. No wonder you've not been doing it. It's because he's hindering you. Paul says, we wanted to come. Time and time again. But Satan hindered us. Look at the next verse. Next text, rather. Second Chronicles. Not Chronicles. Corinthians, rather. Second Corinthians, chapter 4. Verse 3 to 4. Second Corinthians, chapter 4. Hmm. Paul says, this is still Paul. Tell your neighbor, Paul is still speaking. But even if our gospel is veiled... Because the gospel can be veiled. To be veiled simply means it is covered so people cannot access it. You know, the people say, oh, there are churches all over. Why should we have any more other churches? There are churches which have been veiled. The gospel can be veiled. Have you ever been in a meeting, you're listening to somebody, but you don't understand what they are saying? The gospel can be veiled. Someone is preaching, but you're not getting it. Ask your neighbor, are you getting what pastor is preaching? Paul says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Because the devil wants them to perish. And he will make sure they don't get it. He will make sure they don't understand it. That's why I've been telling you, please, when you come to church, come with a notebook. Write something. Because there are people who just come like local tourists. You just came to see what is happening. Write. Revise. Because you can be here, but the gospel is veiled to you. And because it is veiled to you, 
Satan is happy because he knows you're perishing. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you can't catch that word, you are perishing. You are a walking corpse. Whose minds? The God of this age has blinded. Look, your mind can catch chemistry. Your mind can catch biology. Your mind can catch, can, can catch mathematics, but your mind can fail to catch the gospel. You can be a genius. You can be a deep thinker. But when it comes to the gospel, you catch nothing because the God of this age, the God of this world has blinded your mind. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded? Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The light has to shine on you for you to understand the preaching of the gospel. Verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves. Because what do we do? Because we have this God of this age. And this God of this age is after people so that they may not understand the preaching of the gospel. Then Paul says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. And ourselves, your born servants, for Jesus' sake. Then verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is the remedy of this situation that we see in the world where the God of this world has blinded the minds of the people. The remedy is through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must keep on preaching. We must preach in the morning. We must preach lunchtime. We must preach in the evening. We must preach in the morning glory. We must preach at 10 a.m. We must preach at 1 a.m. We must preach at 3 p.m. We must preach at 4 p.m. Everywhere people turn there is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. And through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. The Bible says now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The light of God will shine in their hearts and they will give their lives to Jesus Christ. Give your neighbor a high five and tell them keep on preaching. Paul says we preach Christ. We preach Christ. That is the only solution. Not therapy. It is preaching. It is preaching. It is preaching. It is witnessing. It is preaching. Monday we are preaching. Tuesday we are preaching. Wednesday we are preaching. Thursday we are preaching. Friday we are preaching. Saturday we are preaching. Sunday we are preaching. And we keep going, preaching, preaching, preaching. And the light will shine. I prophesy as you go to preach this week, may the light shine. I say, may the light shine. I say, may the light shine in the hearts of unbelievers. Shout a louder amen in this house. That is the only thing that will deal with the God of this world. Not silence, not therapy, not counseling, preaching. Tell your neighbor, preaching. Tell them again, preaching. 
if we don't preach, there is no light. And if there is no light, darkness will persist. If we preach, light comes. The Bible says the entrance of your word. Whew. Hallelujah. It giveth what? Light. Yes, and it bringeth forth understanding to the simple. When we preach, light will come. I prophesy through your preaching. May light, may light come to your office. Through your preaching, may light come in your neighborhood. Through your preaching, may light come in your family. Can I hear louder amen in this house? Through preaching, may light shine in the hearts of your friends. And may they give their lives to Jesus Christ. Please sit down, I give you the last one. The last hindrance as I bring my series to a close. Why many people don't do evangelism is because they are short-sighted. People are short-sighted. Can't see far. Don't have a vision for multitudes. They don't possess a vision for a mega church. That's why you hear people say, I love a small church. I love my space. I just love our church is so cozy. We know each other. We know each other's parents. We know each other's cousins. We know each other's grandfather, grandmother, great-grand-grandfather, great-great-grandmother. We know who died which year, where they were buried. We know how many children. You know, we know, we know, we know. It's a small, cozy church. We love each other to death. We love each other to pieces. I'm telling you, when we come, it's just a small family reunion. Those are short-sighted people. Jesus did not die to save a small, cozy group. He died for the whole world. He died to save, to save seven plus billion people who live on this planet. But many people are short-sighted and they think a, a church should be small. We must visualize the salvation of many souls. We must possess the vision of multitudes. Numbers that we cannot number of male, of female, of young, and of old who are plugged into the church on a weekly basis. We must see what Jesus sees. We must see what God sees. We must see how heaven should look like. Heaven is not for small, cozy people. Heaven is full of multitudes. Are we together, somebody? Heaven is full of people. And the reason why we must preach every now and then is because God has enough space for every single one of us to stay in heaven. Tell your neighbor, deal with your disease of short-sightedness. Me, I believe in a mega church. I believe in many souls coming into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. You see, some of the people that we are supposed to reach to are the people who will cause us problems. So we must reach out to them. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The person who stole your phone, if that person was born again, you'll be having your phone today. The person who conned you monies, if he was born again, you'll be having your monies today. True or not true? It's true. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The person who introduced you to sin, and it has affected you until today. 
If he didn't come to your life, your life could have been different today. You're very quiet. But what I'm preaching is the truth. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yes. So we have to preach. We, we need many people saved. Everywhere. Because it's the picture of what will happen in heaven. We are, we are seeing multitude. Let me show you something here. Revelation. Chapter 7. Revelation. Let's look at how heaven looks like. Revelation chapter 7. Give me Revelation. 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 I was watching another preacher and he was saying the book of Revelation. Give me the book of Revelation. <laughs> chapter 7 verse 9. Let's look at heaven looks like. How heaven looks like. After these things I looked. This is John the revelator. He says after this I looked and behold a great multitude. Somebody say a great multitude. Which, 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 which no one could number of Luyas only. Luos only. Kikuyus only. Kisis only. Kalenjins only. White people only. Black people only. Brown people only. Of all nations. All tribes. All peoples. And tongues. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Look at verse 10. Crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Multitudes and multitudes which no one could be able to number were where were in heaven. Eey. I hope you're going there. I hope we shall get there. So we must populate heaven. We must have a little heaven down here. There's a song we used to sing. I'm happy today. So happy in Jesus' name. I am happy because he has taken away my sins away. I am happy, so happy today. For the time to be happy is now. And the place to be happy is here. And the way is to make and to have a little heaven. When we have a mega church, is a replica of what we shall have in heaven. A little heaven down here. Hallelujah. So we should have mega churches by having our eyesight corrected so that we start seeing what God wants us to see as far as his kingdom is concerned. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a louder amen in this house? Look at your neighbor and tell them we must populate heaven. Let me do something. Bring me all these empty chairs that are here. Bring them here. Carry them and bring them here. The chairs that have not sat. Nobody has sat on them. Bring them here.
the time to be happy and the place and the way and to have the time to be happy And the way these seats represent souls. City of Transformation Church. If we are comfortable, these are people who are going to hell under our nose. How many are they? Look at how serious it is. These are souls we are looking at. Some of you are thinking it's a plastic chairs. These are souls we are looking at. People who are going to hell. Some of them as they go to hell, they will go to hell with their wives and their children on these seats. Huh? These are 82 souls. So if it is a father and he's not born again, so that means plus the wife and then plus the children. The children are like three or four. So 82 times four. 328. 300 souls are going to hell while we come and enjoy the service every Sunday. 300 souls are going to hell because we have refused to have the vision of God to invite someone and to bring someone to church. And we are happy, enjoying the music, enjoying the preaching, enjoying everything. Yet these people here are going to hell. And we are happy. We are happy. We have, we have done. We have worked. We, hey, we have done so much. Yet these people are going to hell. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you to open your eyes to see what Christ is seeing that if you can go an extra mile these souls will come into the kingdom of God. These souls will be planted in the church. Are we together? And some of you are saying it doesn't concern me. It does. Because some of these souls here are going to school with your children. Some of these souls are the people you are going to be working with. Some of these souls are your neighbors. And you're saying it doesn't concern you. The day you travel, you come back, they have broken into your house and stolen all your electronics. They are here. And you will call fire from heaven to consume them, but God will not answer that prayer because you did not reach out to them and preach to them about Jesus Christ. These are souls. Tell your neighbor, these are souls, not seats. Souls. 300 father, mother, and children. So ask your neighbor for me, what are we going to do about this? Hmm? We must. 
we must populate the church which is a replica of what is happening in heaven amen this is my altar everybody come and take this seat and we are going to pray you take one seat if they get finished you will pray wherever these are souls you are taking one soul and we're going to lift it up and pray as we finish this you must bring somebody to sit on that seat oh yes everybody take one and you lift it up we are going to pray some of you as you're praying you're gonna save a family you're gonna save children you're gonna affect a destiny oh yes and look there are other seats which are stacked up behind there those are also souls How can Mr. Dennis, can you sing my song? If you can sing it. Lift up that seat. We want to pray. If you don't have a seat, lift a seat that you have to represent the six, the souls. In fact, for a minute, open your mouth and begin to pray that God will use you mightily. Yes. Raise your voice and pray right now. Everybody. It's a soul. It's a family. It's a child. It's a young person. Yes. That God will use you. God will use you. God will use your efforts. God will use your voice. God will use your your evangelistic efforts pray 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 that's your neighbor that's your friend that's your neighbor that's your colleague at the place of work for some of you that's your child some of you that's your husband some of you that's your wife Yes. Can't you see they're the lost? Yes. Can't you see they're the hopeless? Mm. A sheep without a shepherd. Hallelujah. We must go to the highways and ages too. Their only hope is when pray, pray. Come on. And reach them. One more time. Can't you see? Everybody. Can't you see that the broken? Pray for the broken. Can't you see that the lost? Pray for the lost. Can't you see that the hopeless? Pray for the hopeless. Sheep without a shepherd. You can't come to church alone. We must go to the highways and ages too. The only hope is when we go and reach. Them. Yes, we have yes. To go.
children we are lifting up souls of families that are meant to come and be in this church be planted in this church that are meant to come to the kingdom of God we pray oh Jehovah God that as we go out as we reach out as we preach to them as we witness to them we break down every form of resistance we remove every hurdle every obstacle every 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 stubbornness we come against the god of this world that has blinded their minds blinded their hearts that they may not turn to the gospel we pray today may their hearts be softened may they accept our invitation may they come in droves in numbers in multitudes multitudes of men and women multitudes of young people and children i pray that every seat that has been lifted up every seat in this compound that has not been sat on i prophesy today from this service that seat will be sat on in the name of jesus a man will sit on that seat a woman will sit on that seat a young person will sit on that seat children will sit on those seats in the name of jesus no seat will be empty at the city of transformation church no seat will be empty at the city of transformation services in the name of Jesus 
we draw them we call them we call them we call them from the north we call them from the south we call them from the east we call them from the west we pray for multitudes we pray for multitudes we pray for multitudes multitudes that we cannot number let them come let them come walking let them come running let them come driving from wherever from from wherever place they come from let them come to the house of God in the name of Jesus we shall not be afraid to talk to them about Jesus we shall not be afraid to share the message of Jesus Christ with them and as we share the message they will come they will come they will come they will be born in the kingdom of God they will be birthed in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus you God of this world lose every soul lose every soul lose every soul lose every family lose every man lose every woman set free every captive to come to the kingdom of God they will be saved and the house of God will be filled we thank you father and we bless your name for it is in Jesus name we pray and we all shout a big amen let's give God a shout of victory for souls for souls for souls I need to hear a shout of victory for souls thank you for listening to this podcast you can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter